From Toronto, Canada, The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Welcome back. Open lines now until the bottom of the hour. And James D. Eugenio, assassination researcher, is uh, coming up next, the author of Destiny Betrayed, one of the finest political assassination researchers out there, particularly uh, as it relates to the Kennedys, Martin Luther King Jr. and uh, Malcolm X. And uh, we are getting set to commemorate uh, the anniversary of the birth of the 35th president, and James will be here to tell us about that. There is sort of one final dump of documents coming up in October, and then in uh, November there'll be a mock trial at a law school in Houston. When I say a mock trial, presumably it'll be the Warren Report (laughs) that'll be on trial. So that'll be interesting. And uh, we'll talk about some other loose ends that are still sort of nagging people like James DiEugenio as it pertains to the murder of John F. Kennedy. Now, you can talk to me about just about anything. If you want to, if you want to talk about the, the Seth Rich murder, we just had Alicia Powell on from WND. Uh, if there's anything there that you'd like to talk about. Now, someone just sent me an email regarding that, and uh, it is uh, about this. There's a surgeon, apparently, uh, who claims that Seth, his uh, injuries initially were not fatal and that he was brought to the emergency room at a hospital in Washington. Uh, I have no way of corroborating this. This could just be wild hearsay. And I'm trying to find the the email now that uh, that was sent to me. Um, maybe before the bottom of the hour, I will find that. Uh, maybe you... Did you forward that to me, Albert? It was uh, someone who was a... Um, uh, rotating as a uh, as a doctor in, in a Washington, D.C. area hospital. Did you, did, does that sound familiar? I don't remember. You don't remember? Okay. Anyway, I'll keep looking for it. Uh, in the meantime, we will uh, go to the phones, and uh, Lynn is checking in from the Big Smoke here in Toronto. Hello, Lynn. Welcome. Good morning. Hello, Richard. Hi there. Uh, I want to talk with you about the dangers of dog vaccines. My sister has four dogs. She took three... She took them all to the vac- to the veterinarian for vaccinations. Three came back okay, but the fourth dog, he's nine years old. He died 12 hours later from the rabies vaccination. Uh, you got the rabies vaccine. How do you know? How do we know it was from the rabies vaccine? Well, because she that, that's she's looked it up on the internet, mm-hmm. and, and a lot of dogs have died on the. Uh, through these, this vaccination in particular, and I one time had a little cat, and she was given a vaccination, and a day later she came up in a big tumor from the vaccine, and I took her back to the vet and had her. He he had he took the tumor off, but she died. Hmm. So I don't know what we can do about it because it's like it's from the medial company. But I know it takes a long time for them to do anything about these dangers for drugs and things because in 2013, I'm, this is something that happened to me. I had a cold and I took some Barclays mixture. Now they didn't have the original Barclays mixture. They had they had the new and improved. And uh, I took one teaspoonful and without the word of a lie. I started to choke to death on one teaspoon of cough medicine, and I sent it back to the company, 
And uh, then I heard from the Food and Drug Administration, and they wanted no more details and this and that, but I told them I didn't have to go to emergency, thankfully, because I was able to get some water down my throat and sort of stop that. Okay, well, let me let me address the, the vaccine thing. Yeah. First what of all... I want to say, yeah. what, just one more thing, it took, it's, now it's off the market, but it's taken four years. That's my point. All right. Um, can't respond to the, the Buckleys. Uh, I've used it, and uh, I find it's, it comes as advertised. It works. However, you know, maybe you had an adverse reaction. These things do happen. Uh, and when it comes to the dog vaccines, you know, I am not a, a vet, nor do I play one on the radio. My, my, listen, I, when it comes to vaccines, I, I think I've been pretty open. I've done a lot of programs on, on human vaccinations. And I am, um, I am skeptical about the efficacy of certain vaccines and about the safety of other vaccines. But I am not a sort of, I'm not willing, holus bolus, to throw all vaccines to one side and say all bad. And I'm and and the anti-vaxxers out there may say, "Oh, you're a sellout," and so forth. Uh, to me, it's a case-by-case situation. I don't think all vaccines are bad. There are some that I'm 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 skeptical about. No, but could there be something wrong with this particular vaccine? Well, it's quite possible. Uh, now, I don't know. Is it possible that, that, that this? Do they do autopsies on on pets? I mean, I know that's expensive, and once you lose an animal, then maybe that's the last thing on your mind. But uh, I'm sure somebody's studying this. Um, this is the first I've heard about adverse effects in, in, uh, in, in animal vaccines. My, my question is, I mean, how else do we, how do we protect ourselves against rabies? Um, you know, is there, is there an alternative method for protecting? Uh, rabies here in southwestern Ontario is, is a big issue, right? So, um, listen, I love dogs, believe me. But I, I have to be honest with you, I'm more worried about the human, certain human vaccines than I am about dog vaccines. Uh, that's not to say that I'm, you know, I don't have compassion, and I'm. But listen, <laughs> uh, I'm not going to sit here on the radio and say we should get rid of the dog vaccine and, and, and leave ourselves vulnerable to some sort of a rabies outbreak, because humans can get rabies from dogs. So, um, you know, my my greatest sympathies to your uh, your friend's dog or your friend who lost her dog. And, uh, yeah, it's something that prob- probably needs to be studied. And maybe there are uh, people, vets and so forth, uh, who are studying this. But I really can't uh, add much to that conversation, unfortunately. Lynn, thank you. Uh, Ryan is in Stouffville. Beautiful Stouffville, not too far from where I'm sitting. Ryan, good morning. Hey, good morning. Yeah, I uh, listen to your show every Sunday as much as I can. I work in the bar industry, so I'm up late anyways. I appreciate you checking in, Ryan. What's on your mind? Okay, so I remember there was a show that you did on Vision a while back. The TV like show, Ennis. the conspiracy television program, yes. Yeah, yeah, the television show. And it was talking about uh, like energy lines where people go either on their birthday or on the summer solstice. And it's like certain places in the world. And I think you you went out to like Omaha or something like that. Uh, that doesn't, we did about 50 episodes and I gotta be honest, Ryan, that one does not sound familiar. <laughs> okay, I know, cause it was mostly like this company that took your birthday or whatever and it found like an energy line that you needed to be on. Hmm, that's interesting. We, I, I didn't do that on the TV show, but I, I, I'm intrigued. Tell me more. Oh yeah, no, okay, maybe I was thinking of the wrong episode, but it was basically like, just had to do somewhat with ley lines. Right. But like how you, your like astrological makeup is okay. And so you what, what you want to do is you want to match your 
your sign or your birth date with one of these ley lines uh, somewhere on the planet, maybe you know near Stonehenge or wherever, and then what's supposed to happen? Well, yeah, like it was either I vaguely remember, but it was either your birthday or it was the summer solstice. Okay. And like it could be even like I know uh, I guess the one guy he like he went to Omaha, and uh, it's like it it's kind of random for each person, but it like I guess it heightens your energies like coming forward into the year and. All right, so it's supposed to bring you good fortune, good luck, that sort of thing. Yeah, I guess like because you know with like ley lines, I'm not too, I don't know too much about them, but there is I guess spiritual purposes to it. And uh, there's benefits to these kind of things. Well, a lot of these, you know, ancient sites were built on ley lines. And then later, uh, after, you know, uh, Christianity sort of swept Europe, they would take down these pagan sites and they would build the cathedral right in the same location. And again, on these, well, these what they call these ley lines. So there's something interesting well, yeah, going on there. Like there's a, there's a kind of cool thing about Stouffville. The Mantle tribe lived here. And uh, when they were starting to build, like, all the new homes, they uh, dug out, like, ancient artifacts, and there was an episode, I think it was on Discovery, where they found the first uh, European medal in Canada, like, predating. Interesting. And uh, In Stouffville? I had no yeah, idea. Well, I guess in Stouffville was where, uh, at one point, where all the native tribes, like, all met in peace, and it was like a trading spot. So almost like, like what would be our Ottawa or Capitol Hill. Right, right. So, there you go. Uh, yeah, just uh, just north of the old city. So. Fascinating. Ryan, thank you for that. You're full of good no information problem. tonight. I appreciate it. Yeah, you guys do a great job. I appreciate it. Thanks, Ryan. Have a good evening. Yeah. All right, uh, let's go to Ohio, and James is checking in. Good evening, good morning, James. How are you? Welcome to The Conspiracy Show. Uh, I'm, I'm pretty good. Uh, I called uh, a couple weeks back about the Flat Earth and uh, Mandela Effect. Oh, yes, yes. I've, I've been receiving a lot of emails about uh, want people wanting us to do something on the Mandela effect, and so we're going to do that. I'll put Albert on that. We'll do something on the Mandela. Uh, and yes, I remember your... Now, this is... I'm trying to find it here. The, the mighty Aphrodite sent this to me. Uh, speaking of the flat earth. Now, James, did you hear about this man? He took a spirit level on a plane uh, to prove that the earth is flat. Now, this was um, this was uh, published in the uh, independent newspaper over in England. But he, um, his name is um, he's a YouTuber, D Marble. He flew from North Carolina to Seattle to see if the pilot would dip the nose of the plane to compensate for curvature. So he recorded 23 minutes and 45 seconds, um, which means the plane traveled a little over 203 miles. And according to the curvature math he gives. To explain the globe model, this should have resulted in the compensation of five miles of curvature. And uh, he says, as you'll see in the YouTube video, there is no measurable compensation for curvature. <laughs> what do you make of that? Um, it, it doesn't surprise me at all, but uh, actually that's not what I'm really uh, calling for uh, tonight. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, <laughs> that, that blesses my heart. Anyway, um, I, I'm sorry to get off topic, but... Um, I wanted to just run by a little, um, uh, it was like a, an experience I had when I was about nine years old. Okay. And um, <clears throat> Can you hold on, James? We're coming up on a break. Hold on to your line. Okay. And uh, we'll come back to you. James in Ohio, I believe, is going to tell us about a, a demonic experience he had as a child. 
That's upcoming, plus more of your calls here on the Open Line segment of The Conspiracy Show. Don't you dare go away. This is no place for the naive or the faint-hearted. The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Uh, welcome back. Uh, just a, a special shout-out to uh, those of you in the live chat on our YouTube channel, The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. And uh, please, hit the uh, the sub button. We are uh, trying to reach 10,000 subs sometime in 2017, and we're almost halfway there, thanks to all of you. So uh, keep watching us on YouTube and listening. Uh, those of you, of course, listening in on one of our affiliate stations, the podcast, of course, TalkZone.com, the app, however and wherever you're listening. Uh, I welcome you to the program. Uh, we'll get back to James in Ohio in just a minute, but I was uh, looking for those uh, emails that I received regarding uh, the Seth Rich murder, and uh, there's a couple of them. Uh, one is, um, do you know this Kim.com? He's this in- internet entrepreneur, and he's a hacker, and now he's come out and admitted that he was part of the operation along with Seth Rich uh, to get stolen DNC emails uh, to WikiLeaks. Uh, that's Kim.com. That's him saying it. That's uh, his claim, certainly not mine. Again, no way of no of verifying that. Uh, and then, let's see if I can, I think I have the other one. Uh, yes, here it is. And another emailer alluded to this as well. Um, this was, um, it's anonymous, but it's uh, a fourth-year surgery resident who, ro- who says he rotated to WHC, Washington Hospital Center, last year He said, it won't be hard to identify me, or her, it could be a her, but I feel that I shouldn't stay silent. Seth Rich was shot twice with three total gunshot wounds, entry and exit, and entry. He was taken to the OR emergency where we performed an X-lap and found a small injury to segment three of the liver, which was packed with several small bowel injuries, pretty common for gunshots to the back exiting the abdomen, which we resected 12 centimeters of bowel and left him in discontinuity. Didn't hook everything back up with the intent of performing a washout in the morning. He did not have any major vascular injuries otherwise. I've seen dozens of worse cases than this which survived, and nothing about his injuries suggested to me that he'd sustained a fatal wound. In the meantime, he was transferred to the ICU and transfused two units of blood where his post-surgery crit came back minus 20. I don't know what that means, but whoever this person is, they seem to know the vernacular of an OR surgeon. Uh, he was stable and not on any pressers, and it seemed pretty routine. About eight hours after we, he arrived, we were swarmed by LEOs. Anyone know what LEOs are? I don't know what that means. And pretty much every th- everyone except the attending and a few nurses was kicked out of the ICU, disallowing visiting hours normally every odd hour, example 1 a.m., 3 a.m. is not something we do ret- routinely. It was weird as hell. At turnover that morning, we were instructed not to round on the VIP that came in last night. That's exactly what the attending said. And no one except for me and another resident had any idea who he was talking about. No one here was allowed to see Seth except for my attending when he died. No code was called. I rounded on patients literally next door, but was physically blocked from checking in on him. I've never seen anything like it before, and while I can't say 100% that he was allowed to die, I don't understand why he was treated like that. Take it how you may. I'm just one low-level doc. Something's fishy, though, that's for sure. This is uh, anonymous, someone who claims to be a fourth-year surgery resident who rotated at WHC last year. Again, I throw that out there, but I have no way, no way of verifying that. Uh, Law enforcement officer, thank you, LEO. Thank you, uh, Albert. All right. So, there you go. Uh, Let us get back to uh, James uh, in Ohio. James, you had an experience uh, as a young child involving demons? Did we lose James? 
Ah, James, I'm so sorry. If you're there, if you if you can hear me, call back. Uh, Phil is in Scarborough. Welcome, Phil. Hey, Phil. Did we lose Phil? Our phone lines? Are we having trouble with our phone lines? All right, let's go up. The, let's go to Dana in Vermont. Good morning, good evening, Hi, Dana. Hi there. How are you, sir? I'm well. Yeah, I want to talk about Seth Rich and uh, John Kennedy Jr. Yeah, um, it's obvious to me that uh, Seth Rich was a uh, a Clinton mob hit, uh, as well as John John Kennedy. Um, and these things are frightfully obvious, and uh, it's just a shame that uh, I don't know who's protecting the Clintons in the government, but I mean, <laughs> it's unbelievable what they've gotten away with. I just can't believe it. Well, here's an interesting thing about the the Clinton death list is, you know, you go into a into a room and you ask someone, raise your hand if you know anybody that was ever murdered. And now in a room of 100, I don't know, you might get a couple of people, maybe the Clintons know there are about 80 people by last counts, about 80 people that had close relations to them that have been murdered. I mean, yeah, that's. I, I mean, I'm not saying that they pulled the trigger, and I'm not saying that they arranged for it, but that alone is strange. Yeah, I believe Dr. Martin Luther King was also left to left to die. His wounds weren't considered fatal either. I don't know if you talked to Mr. Pepper about that, Anthony Pepper. Uh, William Francis Pepper. No, oh, sorry, William Francis Pepper. Yeah. No, and uh, for those who don't know, he was um, uh, he. Um, yeah, he's he was the um, James Earl Ray's uh, attorney. Uh, yeah. at one point and also conducted a sort of a, a mock civil trial. Yeah. No, it wasn't a mock trial. It was, a, uh, it was an actual trial. Before Sherman Skolnick passed away, yeah. I ordered the uh, FBI report on John Kennedy's plane. Okay. Um, I don't know how Sherman got it, but it looked official to me. It had all the FBI markings on it, and mm-hmm. it said that uh, Kennedy's plane was taken down with plastic, plastic explosives um, affixed to the aircraft. And if you know anything about that, uh, if you read anything about the uh, – crash debris, uh, it did uh, look like an explosion because uh, the wreckage was scattered, you know, uh, a mile apart. Um, they found a suitcase, I believe, a mile from the plane. Uh, and that's, uh, that's, I guess, when the plane explodes, that's the type of wreckage you get. It was very common, um, the way the wreckage was found of a, an explosive um, uh, deal. That's what I've read. And I've also read that it was clear as a bell that night to fly. Yes, the initial no, reports yeah. were that they, the visibility was good and then later yeah. uh, it seemed like they changed the uh, that and said it was yeah, small fog. I don't know if the Bushes killed Kennedy or the Clintons did because he was in the way he was going to run for president. I mean, if he ran for president I, he would have mopped the floor with either Hillary or Jeb. Um, um, I'm sorry. Bush Jr. Well, I read that he was he was contemplating running for the Senate seat in New York that Hillary later ran for, but uh, it's possible. Well, he was going to be in the way of the Bushes and the Clintons, and I, I don't think any more highly of the Bushes than I do the Clintons. They've got a lot of uh, skullduggery in their uh, history also. And uh, your next guest coming up, I'm, I'm dying to hear him speak. Um, I, uh, I've read um, just about every book you can read on the Kennedy assassination, Yes, and I'm totally convinced that the CIA killed uh, John Kennedy as well as Bob Kennedy um, without any equivocation at all. Um, I just uh, And St. John Hunt, uh, that tape, I mean, that just cemented my beliefs. Have you heard of St. John, E. Howard Hunt's son? Uh, yeah, he's been on the program. I know St. John. Yeah. He's been on the program. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I mean, the big event, I mean, you know, uh, you know, you can't fake that. Yeah. <laughs> 
And, they, well, uh, it seems to me that the, just there were a lot of people lined up to take a shot at uh, poor Jack Kennedy. He uh, he was a lamb that you know uh, was led into the slaughter, unfortunately. Uh, yeah, I mean uh, it's just a shame they framed uh, the people they framed uh, for the murders of. Uh, John Kennedy and Bob Kennedy. It's interesting Martin. with the with with Patsy's in in these cases. Yeah. Uh, I, I know with with Sirhan Sirhan there was kind of a trial, but Sirhan was clearly you know out of it and was kind of duped into that uh, confession. Uh, well, James Earl Ray with with Martin Luther King uh, Jr. was was told uh, he had a terrible lawyer and was told if you want to avoid the uh, the death penalty you've got to you've got to uh, admit to it. And he of course he later retracted that. But there's rarely in these high Profile assassinations, whether it's John Lennon or or JFK, uh, there's rarely ever a trial, which is, I suppose, yeah. not surprising. Dana in Vermont, thank you so much for checking in. I hope uh, you'll call you're welcome. again. Uh, thank you for all for all your insight. I really appreciate your show. I wish we had one in America like yours. Appreciate it, Dana. Thank you. Uh, James is back from Ohio. Hey, James, glad you called back. How are you? Um, I'm, 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 I'm good. Uh, okay, we don't have a lot of time now, so just tell me about your, you had a demonic experience as a child? That's the only thing I can uh, kind of run it up as, um, and I'll try to be as quick as possible. Um, uh, how it started, um, I didn't know at the time, but my mom was using meth, and maybe that has something to do with it, but um, when it started, uh, I got this um, numbing sensation from my ankles, all throughout my body, and I kind of saw, um, like, uh, I don't know, uh, when I closed my eyes, it was like I could see um, on the sea, um, like, forever into darkness. Um, anyway, uh, after after that had happened, um, um, it got to the point where I kind of craved the feeling, and my mom uh, picked me up from um, school one day, and we were uh, heading back to the house, and right before we got to a stop sign, um, the car kind of just stopped in time. And um, the only reason I'm calling and, and uh, asking about this and, and telling my experience is because I, I still have questions. I don't really understand what happened. Okay, so I'm James, kinda... let me just ask you that when when you had this feeling, this sensation that came over you, you were you were in bed, is that it? And you were looking up at your ceiling. No, 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 no. I was I was completely awake, and uh, it kind of came over me. But um, it, it got to the point where I had craved the feeling, and it was like a, a hateful feeling, a feeling of power and um, just darkness. And um, well, you, you craved the feeling. Like, I'm I'm sorry, I misheard you. You craved the feeling that came over you. Yes. Ah. It, um, like it happened. The first time it happened, it happened like a few days few days after and then it happened a few weeks after and then okay. it happened like about a month after and then um it kind of got to where it wasn't happening and that's the point where i i began to crave it but um because it made uh, you feel powerful then, what now why did you crave it it made you feel powerful yes 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 and um like uh, like I felt like I could walk into the middle of the street and get hit by a car, and the car would crumple against me. And I was nine years old. At oh the time. dear. Anyway, I'm glad um, you didn't test so, that theory. I'm so glad. Now, why? Why do you think James? And I'm I'm so sorry to hear this, but you, your mother was using meth at the time. Well, uh, yes. She was smoking. I, I what was she smoking? Crystal meth? Or? And that's why I think, and maybe she brought in some demons uh, or something. Anyway, um, uh, the 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 real story um the 
at the at the peak of this uh, experience, um, we were coming back home from school, and I was in the passenger seat, and we were about to get to a stop sign, and it seemed like time just stopped. It was it was a spring spring day. Uh, everything was green and uh, everything was beautiful, but it seemed like time had stopped. And and um, when I looked to my right, I noticed that the clouds seemed dark. Uh, they were like kind of like purple and black. Um, all the all the grass was burned and scorched. Uh, the trees were burned and scorched. Um, and and when I looked to my left. Um, like my mom was like this this creature that uh it looked like if I touched its flesh it would uh the flesh would um would like fall off like it was burnt and crisp. Oh my. And and the, the the tongue was like like almost like a snake and it was doing its head back and forth and all this. Okay, James, we're almost out of time here. Let me ask you, how how are you now? Well, I mean, now I'm I'm a functional human being. I'm you know I'm an adult and everything. I'm, okay. I and how about your mom? Did she, did your mom come to terms with her demons? If I can well, use that yeah, word. Yes, she she did. But uh, I just kind of want to see if anybody else has had this experience. Like it almost felt like a revelation because um, after after um, the the demon or whatever or whatever it was started reaching out to my leg. And as soon as it uh, kind of grabbed to my thigh, uh, like it was like I woke up and I was hyperventilating, and my mom was saying my name over and over, and uh, the time had started again. And um, I don't know. I just, I just want to see if anybody, any of the listeners, have had any type of experience like this because still to this day, I'm I'm 26 and I still have no clue what that was about and. It's just, it's confusing. I don't know if, if I like... Do you believe in God, James? Do you believe in God? I, I do. I do. That is right. that is the only reason why I'm still here is because of God. And and but, uh, um, and did, did this bring you closer to God as a result? Um, I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't know, uh, to be honest. I just, I just don't understand. I, I feel like maybe I had some type of prophetic uh, vision of the future, and I, I fear. I, I mean, I, I don't want to get the listeners all hyped up or anything, but well, James, listen. Really... Put it this way: if I mean, I'm sorry you went through that. That sounds like a harrowing, frightening nightmare. Um, but you came through it, and now it sounds like. Are you a Christian? Can I ask you? Yes, I am. Well, if it strengthened your faith, maybe in some strange way you could look at what what you went through as a gift. I don't know what it was. You, maybe you were being tested, but you came through it. You survived, and as you as you say now, you're a you're a fully functioning human being, and uh, and um, you believe in God. So maybe you can look at that as a positive. You survived it. You're a spiritual warrior, James. I, I, I kind of feel like, um, for some reason, the devil has been kind of following me in some way. Like, maybe that I have, um, uh, God has a great plan for me, and I feel like the the devil has been trying to do everything he can. Well, he tried to take you down once, and he lost, James. So keep the faith, my friend, and uh, thank you for calling in. Stay well, all right? Stay well. All right, James DiEugenio, assassination researcher, commemorating the 100th anniversary of JFK's birth. More with The Conspiracy Show. Don't go away. Corporations. Governments. 
and sometimes entire civilizations. What goes up must come down, and it lands on The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. All right, just pouring myself a glass of liquid oxygen here, and I managed to spill some. How about that? <laughs> I'm sorry. All righty. Uh, just a reminder, coming up next week on the program, on the panel, uh, the publisher of WorldNet Daily, or WND, Joseph Farah, and Carl Gallops has been a frequent guest. Uh, best-selling author. They'll be our. Uh, they'll be on the uh, the panel. Uh, Paul Hellyer, uh, the former defense minister, the honorable Paul Hellyer, former Canadian defense minister and deputy prime minister, will be on the program. Uh, he'll be uh, talking about the upcoming uh, Alien Expo, which is happening here in Toronto a little bit later. Uh, I believe next uh, month, June, June or July. We'll, we'll get all the details and we'll uh, promote that. Uh, for the good folks at the uh, Alien Expo. And also, Barry Katz uh, will be with us. Uh, he is the producer of a, a documentary film, I Shot JFK. This is about James Files, a gen- gentleman who is uh, languishing in a, a prison, I believe, in uh, Illinois, who claims he was the grassy knoll gunman. Uh, James G- Eugenio is, uh, is with us on uh, May the 29th, of course. The nation commemorates the 100th birthday of President John F. Kennedy. And as we know, Kennedy was uh, cut down before reaching the age of 50. Uh, and there's a lot going on uh, this uh, upcoming month. Um, the um, the uh, a number of uh, documents are going to be released in October pertaining to the assassination and also in November uh, as we mark the 54th anniversary of the uh, assassination. There will be a mock trial in Houston at South Texas School of Law. And... Um, Oh, I mentioned the uh, the October, the final disclosures of the JFK Act. James D. Eugenio is the author of Destiny Betrayed, about the garrison investigation of the uh, Kennedy assassination, first published in 1992, with a second greatly revised edition issued in 2012, and uh, Reclaiming Parkland, published in 2013, reissued in, and uh, expanded in 2016, which offers a detailed, critical examination of the Warren Commission's evidence and conclusions as presented by Vincent Bugliosi's Reclaiming History. And uh, he's also the co-author and editor of the Assassinations Probe Magazine on JFK, MLK, RFK, and Malcolm X. He co-edited Probe Magazine from 1993 to 2000, was a guest commentator on the anniversary issue of the film JFK, re-released by Warner Brothers in 2013. He has an MA in contempor- a Master's in Contemporary American History from California State University, Northridge, and a specialist in the history and theory of cinema. Always a pleasure to welcome James D. Eugenio back to The Conspiracy Show. Hey, Jim, how are you? Good evening, Richard. Uh, great having you. We had a, a much lengthier conversation, of course, on Coast to Coast AM last month. Uh, but uh, let, let me just revisit some of those themes. First of all, uh, again, the JFK Act, the the documents being released in October. What do we expect to hear or find in those documents? All right. Now, uh, l- let me give you your listeners some background on that. After Oliver Stone's movie was released, he had a tagline at the end of the movie that said, the records of the House Select Committee assassinations will be classified till the year 2039. That created an uproar, all right? And so they passed something called the JFK Act. And this created a board, the Assassinations Record Review Board, that worked for four years to try and declassify all the records they could find uh, at the state, local, and federal level. When they closed down... There were still some records left because they had said that 
we will not expose anything of an ongoing operation, and we will not expose any agent in place. All right? Those are supposed to be the only two exceptions until 2017. So, in other words, they tacked on another 23 years. Okay. Right. <laughs> to the t- Right. Which would be okay, that so. by 2039, that's nearly that's 70 years after the assassination. Well, we, we did we, we did get a little <laughs> bit better than the 2039. Yeah. Okay. We only had to wait the 20. <laughs> yeah. It's even funny to say it, isn't it? We oh. only had to wait the 2017. Okay, that's not bad. Okay. So, <laughs> so this October, there's supposed to be the final declassification of the ARB, and. There looks to be some very interesting documents there. Like, for example, the 201 file on Lee Harvey Oswald, um, which, according to the, the list I had, okay, is, is pretty extensive. So that should be very, very interesting to look at. Mm-hmm. There are some documents dealing with Ruth and Michael Payne. Okay, there's... Uh, Employees there's of Bell documents. Helicopter who, who befriended the Oswalds when they landed in Dallas. Right, yeah. right. Ruth and Michael. We, we could do a whole show about those two. Oh, yes. Okay. <laughs> All right, okay. And, and we still wouldn't be able to cover it, okay? All right. And there's a lot of interesting documents about, um, about Cuba, All right. And there's even documents... This is really kind of stunning. There's even documents that date back to the Warren Commission. Hmm. That are still are that are still being classified. Now the problem with the directory I have is it's not very descriptive. Okay, it basically all it tells me is that when was the document originated, what body was it originated for, and a very vague topics. You know what is you know like about three or four words as to what it's about. Right. All right, but you know it's it's better than nothing. So there should be some very interesting documents coming out. Now, as you said, May the 29th is the 100th anniversary of John F. Kennedy, all right, and it's called a centennial. And I'd like to refer everybody to the uh, AV uh, slideshow that we have at kennysandking.com, because if you thought you knew who John F. Kennedy was, you're going to be surprised, okay, because there's a lot of stuff that you didn't know about him. I consider this the second media cover-up. Interesting. Okay, the first cover-up is about the assassination. They covered that up. All right. The second media cover-up was who was John F. Kennedy. And that one, I think, is in some ways even longer lasting than the one about his murder. Okay, because this guy, I mean, I thought I had a pretty good background on Kennedy. All right. When I started doing the research for this uh slideshow, this PowerPoint show, you know, I was even surprised at all the things that this guy did. All right, listen, we've got to take a time out, James. When we come back, maybe you can give us a few highlights from that, and then uh, we'll also talk a little bit more about the Warren Commission, and I know uh, we've got this mock trial coming up in uh, November in Houston at the law school there. Back with more with James D. Eugenio, the website, kennedysandking.com, kennedysandking.com. Back with more. Stay with us. This is no place for the naive or the faint-hearted. The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zoomer Radio. Welcome back. James D. Eugenio is here. Please take a moment and get up uh, to the uh, the website, Kennedy's, or sorry, Kennedy and, Kennedy'sandking.com. Let me get it right. It's Kennedy'sandking.com. And uh, there's uh, also a great uh, a photo gallery there 
uh, of uh, John F. Kennedy, just as a as a toddler growing up in Brookline, Massachusetts, where he was born, uh, all the way up until, of course, 1963. Uh, James, you said that you were surprised when you put this PowerPoint together on the website, kennedysandking.com, uh, about, you know, who John Kennedy really was. Give me some examples. What really shocked you? Well, Kennedy was only president for two years and ten months. If you take a look at the amount of stuff that this guy accomplished in less than three years, it's a little bit astonishing, all right? especially when you compare it to people who were president for four years and eight years, like Barack Obama was. All right, for example, Kennedy actually tried to pass Medicare way back there in 1962. All right? It, it failed. The Republicans blocked it. But on the day of his assassination, he was working to bring the bill back and thought for sure that it was going to pass. All right? Um, you take a look at his record on civil rights. I'll give you an example. The night that Kennedy was inaugurated, okay, he got on the phone with some of his cabinet members and said there were not anywhere near enough people of color at my inauguration. We're going to start looking for qualified people. So in other words, he was, he was the first guy to start an unofficial affirmative action program to get more people of color employed by the government right, the night right. of his inauguration. Okay. Y- yes. All right. Yeah. And then if you take a look at the things he was doing in his foreign policy, you know, which is really so far seeing, you know, it's just kind of amazing. You know, you, you, you take a look at the things, you know, everybody talks about Vietnam and Cuba. All right. And everybody knows that stuff. Okay. That, that he was doing those kind of things. But he was also doing really incredible things in the third world, like with Indonesia you know, the big archipelago there in the Pacific, all right? Um, he was doing the Alliance for Progress in which he was trying to make, you know, very low interest-free loans, well, not interest-free, but very low-rate loans to countries in South America for their development, all right? Um, he was trying to go for this detente with the Soviet Union, first president to do that since since World War II, all right? Um you know, and I, I didn't have enough room in that PowerPoint presentation. And by the way, it's not just visual. There's also captions on each picture explaining what it is. You know, I didn't have enough room to go into his Middle East policy. It's all, it was but, very ambitious. It's almost like he knew, James, that he didn't have a lot of time. Do you think in the back of his mind he well, thought that? I don't, you know, I, I, I really don't know what provoked him to go at this headlong speed. Okay, but if you take a look at this, see, I, I had to divide it up into years, 61, 52, and 63. I originally thought I'd get everything in one show, but I couldn't. There was so much stuff, you know, there's about 20 items in each one of those panels. All right, 61. I'll give you another example. I don't know if you're aware of this. In 1954, I'm sure you know what the siege of Denbien Phu was, right? Yes. Okay. This was the final battle in the French colonial war in Vietnam, to retake yeah. Vietnam. Yeah. Kennedy had been there a couple of years before. He writes a letter to John Fattles in 1953. Forty, I think, 47 questions. 
every one of them, what are your plans to take Indochina? Because he thought France would fall. Okay? What are your plans in Indochina after the French leave? All right? Dulles never answered that question. Except he did answer the question because he put together Operation Vulture to save Dien Ben Phu. Now, I, don't, should I explain that? I, do you, are you, have you ever talked about that before? We haven't, no. No, just, just okay. a, if you this want to spend a couple minutes. This was an air armada composed of 150 jet fighters, 60 conventional bombers, three Convair B-36s to drop three atomic bombs to relieve the siege of Dien Bien Phu. Wow. Okay? Wow. Now, the point man for this was Nixon. Okay? He was the vice president at that time. That's right. He was supposed to lobby the press and the uh, Congress. All right? Well, when Kennedy got wind of this, he said, he, he said this, wait a minute, hold it, hold it. I want Foster Dulles to explain to me how atomic weapons figure into guerrilla warfare. Okay. Unbelievable. <laughs> what is the point of using atomic weapons, a bunch, a, a bunch of third world guerrilla fighters? Okay. And then he took the opposite tack and he said, look, it doesn't matter what you put in there. You know, men, material, weapons. Okay. You cannot stalk a phantom force that you say is unpopular but has the support of the people covertly. All right? So that was his first really defining moment. Then in 1957, Kennedy takes the floor of the Senate. I think this was in July of 1957. And he gives what the New York Times called the most bracing critique of the French colonial war in Algeria that any American politician has given. All right? And he said, words to the effect, didn't we learn our lesson three years ago? Didn't we see what happened with France when she tried to take back Vietnam? Didn't we end up in complete failure? Didn't we embarrass ourselves by trying to help her? Okay? What are we doing now? We're doing the same thing. Instead of helping her in this brutal colonial war in Algeria, if we were really a friend of France, we would talk her into going to the negotiating table because the same thing is going to happen. She's going to lose. Right, right. All right? And what's going to happen to us when she loses? Anybody allied with France, like we are, is going to be looked askance on by the rebels who are going to take over. All right. See, so he concluded that speech with the object is, number one, to save the French nation and to free Africa. Now, can you imagine a guy talking like that in 1957? Uh, it's pretty forward thinking. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, it's, it's almost like he, can you imagine that? Yeah, he was he was digging himself a hole even before he ran for president. He was making enemies with uh, the Dulles boys. Uh, James oh, D'Eugenio is with us. 148 editorials on that speech. Ninety of them were negative. Mm. <laughs> Let me ask you, uh, James. Uh, we just have a few minutes here, but you know uh, the um, the mock trial that's coming up in November. Uh, what's going to be on trial? Is it going to be the Warren report? Are they going to try and pick that apart? No, actually, what they're going to try and do, from what I understand, 
is they're going to be allowed to use all the evidence that has come into the realm of knowledge since. So it's not just going to be the Warren report, okay? They're going to be allowed to use everything, okay? And you have the, um, two very good lawyers there, Larry Schnapp and Bill Simpich, and for two days, and this should be very, very good, I think, okay, because, you know, nobody's ever wanted to go to, into a mock trial with all the new evidence, but they thought that they actually are going to have this law school, this South Texas law school, is actually going to let them present all this new evidence. So this should be really, really something. You know, I expect this to be a real barn burner. Right. People, uh, the public is going to see for the first time what the real case was. Right. Do you think if, like, people don't understand, some people don't understand, that the Warren Commission, I mean, it was not unanimous. You had... All of the, the members that were the Southerners, the Richard Russell and, and Hale Boggs and John Sherman Cooper, who were from the South, Georgia, Kentucky, Louisiana, they, they did not buy into the official version. They didn't buy into the one bullet, the magic bullet theory. They didn't buy into, uh, you know, Hoover was trying to push this on them, and they weren't going for it. Had Exactly correct. Had uh, they had the, the the same sort of information that we have now. Do you think there may have been? It wouldn't have been Dulles. It may it wouldn't have been McCloy. Uh, I, I don't know about Earl Warren, but do you think Ford could have been can pulled over to the other side to vote against it? Well, that's a very interesting question. Okay, because you knew Dulles was not no, Dulles. It didn't matter. He was going to say Oswald did it no matter what. Exactly. Okay, you know. It will be either McCloy or Ford, okay? Because actually, do you know what I think would have happened if everything that we know today would have been in evidence back then? I think those three guys would have resigned. Right. Boggs, Sherman, you know, and, and Russell, you mean? Cooper yeah, and Russell, right. yeah. Well, Boggs, according to his, his wife, uh, she said he, he wished he had never signed on in the begin, to begin with. Right. And then, of course, right. we know what happened to Hale Boggs after his dissenting. And we opinion. also know Russell actually prepared a resignation letter. Ah, okay. okay. He, he was that angry about what was happening. You know, what would have happened he if he prepared a resignation letter? What would have happened had they resigned? What would have happened? Well, th- see, that is a really great wild card. If, from what my information, and I don't have this in documents, but this is what I've read. Okay, is that Johnson talked him out of resigning? Or threatened okay. him. <laughs> or threatened him. Grabbed him by the shirt collar, no doubt. Right, right. And, and because he he knew what a body blow that would have been to the Warren Commission if Russell would have quit. You know, because he only attended five meetings. Did you know that? I didn't. There was something like, I, you know, God, I think there was 50 seconds of the executive. And he only went to five because he said, there's no point in me going here. Okay, I'm going to conduct my own investigation. And he did. He did. Wow. Okay. It's amazing. Um, yeah, history would have been uh, completely different, perhaps, had right. uh, had the Warren Commission just sort of collapsed in on itself. Uh, I mean, we know that the term, the whole term conspiracy theory was developed uh, by the CIA to sort of counteract all of the, you know, the... Uh, the theories that were floating out there about JFK after the Warren report, nobody bought it when it came out. And 1967, CIA memorandum. Yeah. You're exactly correct. We're going to label these guys conspiracy theorists. 
Okay, and we're going to use every ridicule device we can. And that's how it started. And they're using the same tactics today, James, for different reasons. You're exactly correct. Yeah. James Eugenio, uh, thank you for this. I know we were we were short on time, but we'll uh, we'll have you back as we approach the uh, the mock trial. Well, we'll have you back in October once those uh, the, the last of the uh, the JFK um, documents come out. Okay. Thank you so I'll, much. I'll talk to you then, Richard. My good good yes, we will for sure. James D. Eugenio, and the website again is Kennedy's and King. Dot com. That's it for us. And my thanks to Ian Robertson, Albert Vinzel, Ryan White, all of you for listening at home. Back next week, uh, the Honorable Paul Hellyer, Joseph Farah from WND, uh, Carl Gallops, Barry Katz, the producer of I Killed JFK, and much more. In the meantime, don't be afraid. There's nothing concealed that won't be revealed and nothing hidden that won't be made known. What you hear in the dark, speak in the light. What I say in a whisper, proclaim from the housetops. Move over, Aphrodite. I'm coming home. Good night.